Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Find out about new shows, featured guests, and what's up this week. Find us on Facebook by searching keyword Voice America. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America, welcome back to the 11th ever show of all around sports. Reach Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. We will go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this week and what's coming up for the weekend. And to join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And as always, it was another wild week in sports. And as usual, I will begin each show with the past week's highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items that fascinate us all. And the highlight this week was, well, uh, just another week of highlights here in Boston, uh, the city of champions and the hub of the universe, as we like to say up here and right where I'm based. And, uh, you know, this city right now is just on fire with just a constant buzz and electricity. Uh, I've been here couple of decades i don't know that i can remember it being much like this ever uh you know just as an example last saturday the bruins hold their stanley cup parade absolutely spectacular weather best weather ever for a parade i believe and uh and it was attended by 1.5 million people talked to many people who were there loved it and it was just quite a sight to see. A lot of people are saying it was bigger and uh, better than the Red Sox parade, which was not in good weather in 2004. And then uh, that was the, how the week started. And my week runs from our Friday, from Friday to Friday, with the uh, one o'clock show here. And uh, then, you know, the past two days, the NFL owners and players huddled up in a, uh, in a hotel in the, in the seaside community of Hull, Massachusetts, outside Boston. Uh, and, uh, Nan- and part of Hull is what's known as Nantasket Beach. And, uh, you know, just a beautiful little quaint seaside community and uh, a heck of a choice by the NFL to go there. And nobody uh, could find out where they were. I have some pretty good contacts that I tried and couldn't find out. Uh, finally, it came out yesterday, and at the end of the day, they did a bit of an impromptu news conference in the rain at the parking lot. So that was the last two days again, uh, NFL. And then finally, uh, you know, after the big news of the week, of course, is 
non-sports, but yet I, I will, as I always do, make a sports connection. Uh, after 16 years, Boston crime legend Whitey Bulger was captured in Santa Monica. As I speak, he is winging his way to Boston, expected to land in the next couple of hours, and be in a courtroom by 4 o'clock Eastern time today. So to literally, within the hour or two, Buddy uh, Whitey Bulger will be returning to Boston after 16 years. That's incredible. And apparently, um, he has been living in Santa Monica for the last 15 years, and the sports connection is very simple. I've been to Santa Monica. There is a Boston sports bar out there called Sonny McLean's. That's just legendary. All the celebrities from Matt Damon to Mark Wahlberg to Ben Affleck to you know anybody with Boston roots, whatever, go to this place. It's a real neighborhood bar, and everybody at Sonny McLean's is swearing up and down that Whitey Bulger has been going there, and it just... I couldn't help but think, knowing the passion in this city for sports, that, you know, if the FBI even had an inkling of where uh, that Whitey was out in Santa Monica, and I guess they didn't, or they'd have found him by now, but it's just so classic that that would have been the perfect place to find him, hanging out in a Boston sports bar in Santa Monica, California. And uh, so, again, uh, the whole city is... Uh, kind of edgy uh, security is going to be off the charts to put it mildly when uh, this guy walks into a courtroom and this week's low light which is really more of a sad light uh, especially for me is the passing of Clarence Clemens the legendary saxophonist for Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band a band that I've seen many times over the years and once had, uh, was chosen out of the audience up here at the Boston Garden uh, from my last row seats in the balcony to be put in the front row seats um, by Bruce Springsteen's roadies where I literally uh, ended up on the uh, on the album cover so to speak to come out uh, the DVD cover that come out after the concert and uh so always fond memories of that night back in the late 90s uh up close and personal with clarence clemens and sad to see him go but on a more upbeat note uh attended a couple of interesting events this week and one was the kickoff party for the 12th annual doug flutie jr celebrity golf classic which is a uh, fundraiser for doug's 19 year old son Dougie who's autistic and uh and it's for the Doug Flutie Jr. Foundation. And as we all know the you know the Heisman Trophy winner while the quarterback at Boston College uh is forever etched in American sports history as the author of The Miracle in Miami. Uh the past of Gerard Phelan in the early nineteen eighties that beat uh, the Miami Hurricanes the day after Thanksgiving. It was actually on my birthday, I'll never forget it. And, uh, you know, Doug, of course, went on to play in both the NFL and the Canadian Football League, where he won multiple championships. So, again, early in the week, uh, he held, uh, you know, this terrific and meaningful uh, pre-party and golf tournament. In addition, and in addition to Doug himself, uh, celebrity athletes in attendance included, uh, you know, former NFL players Nat Moore and Mike Mamula. 
former Red Sox player Bill Spaceman Lee, former Boston Bruins Derek Sanderson and Guy LaRose, and former Celtic Dana Barrows. And uh, at the pre-party at the Hard Rock Cafe, which I attended uh, the night before, uh, Jay Giles bassist Danny Klein joined the the Flutie Brothers band on stage, and uh, Doug, of course, is the drummer for the band, and had a chance to sit down with Doug for a few minutes as the event was about to get underway, and uh, he, he, better than me, can talk all about the foundation, and we'll start off with Doug's view of the history of the event uh, itself. And bigger, stronger, and better every year. You know, a couple of years with the economy, but the amount of money we were bringing in wasn't as much, but still the numbers of people playing golf, coming to the events, supporting us has just been fantastic and continued to grow. In the early years, we had a golf course, Shaker Hills was the golf course we played at. Oh, sure. And it became, it became so packed that we it was seven-hour rounds. So we moved to Plymouth and went to Pine Hills. And we got two 18-hole courses, yep. and it was pretty wide open. You know, you basically could play without seeing the group in front of you, play at your own place. And now we've got well over 440 golfers or something, and it's going to—it's starting to fill up too much for two 18s. So it's, it's a good problem to have, and it's been just a... Uh, it's been a fun tournament. It seems like, because I run into these guys, a lot of the, quote, celebrities, guys that come and support us, and mm-hmm. it's like it's their favorite event of the year, and somebody's doing something right, and it, it's not me. It's the people at the foundation running the show and doing a great job. And uh, Doug then went on to talk about how the foundation itself got started. started we started out, we started the foundation because Dougie had... Uh, been diagnosed with autism and we figured it'd just be a local thing that we do regionally in the Boston area but it all kind of kicked off because when I was in Buffalo we started the foundation but also I started playing uh, my popularity went through the roof the flutie flakes happened to come out at that point and that became a big uh, money maker for the foundation and all of a sudden everything started to branch out and we got a lot bigger a lot quicker um, Lisa Borges has been with us it seems like forever uh, the first couple years we were with someone else and we switched over and Lisa has just done a phenomenal job she and Chris Turco have probably been the they're the longest tenure of anyone that's worked with the foundation so we continue to grow and all of a sudden we had we had uh, you know when I played in San Diego wherever the m- money came in from we were giving back the money to that area and that's kind of the way it's worked out you know we had a lot coming in from upstate New York in the Buffalo days and then San Diego and even the can um, you know places in Canada, you know, people have, have sent money, so you try to you try to spread it back out to where it's come from, but um, it's primarily slowly become the regional thing now that we thought initially it would be. Based on the here in Boston area? Yeah, okay. now that we're back basically here full time. And one of the uh, nice, best things at all with the foundation is that it has goals, it has specific purposes, and here's uh, how Doug described it those objectives you know our, our number one goal is to take some of the pressure off the families off the parents and provide services for the families whether it's in-home tutoring whether it's computers for the houses toys for the kids starting programs for the kids uh, summer camps things of that nature um, that's the direction that we have focused on we feel that we, we bring in a good amount of money we've raised over 12 million dollars um, but we're not making the kind of money that 
would make a difference in research. So we shied away. Initially, we were giving some money towards research, but we shied away from that because we felt we weren't going to make a big impact there. Uh, what we're doing is focusing on the services for families, and that's the direction it's going. I would love to see someday, you know, if we if we could bankroll a little more money and and see see how it goes out. Some you know, open some schools, maybe something with Dougie's name on it uh, before it's all said and done. And one of the more interesting parts of our conversation was that, uh, and to back up what Doug just said about the goals of the foundation, uh, they have a brand new program that they just launched, and here's Doug talk, to talk about it. Collaborated with LoJack, come up with a safe and secure program that they're selling, uh, or the bracelets that are locator bracelets, like a LoJack, you know, Yes, because a lot of our children with autism do wander and try and take off and and can get lost on the other way back. People can't find, it. and it's a great way to to keep track. And it's just a little bracelet that goes either on the wrist, you put it on the backpack. It's it's a great idea, and we just started to to work with them this year. Well, and as you heard from the man himself, uh, you know, it's simply a wonderful organization with a great purpose and. Uh, in addition to the golf tournament and the pre-party the night before, there's a number of other events that the foundation does each year. And if you desire more information uh, on the organization, it's flutiefoundation.org. So flutie, F-L-U-T-I-E, foundation, one word, .org. And uh, as anybody here in Boston knows very well, and, and tr- truly Doug is a legend of... Uh, of the highest order up here. He is a huge fan of all sports. So, of course, I had to ask him about his thoughts on the Bruins winning the Stanley Cup, and here's what Doug had to say. Uh, it was fantastic. It was such a joy to watch. And, and I'm, I've always been a Bruins fan, and I have been for 20, 30 years. But during the regular season, I'm a real Fairweather fan. I just kind of check in once in a while, see how it's going. But once the playoffs come, I've never been able to turn it off. You know, you, you start watching a playoff game and the intensity level, uh, the sense of urgency that they have and, and everything's living and dying with shots that are ringing off a post or missed by an inch and the puck's loose in the crew. You can't turn your head watching a hockey game. Watching baseball, you know, you go get a meal and come back and yep. the next batter's not even up. Um, so it's just so much fun to watch. And the run they had was amazing. Tim Thomas was standing on his head playing amazing in that and just the whole team. You know, the thing that I really, the thing that, that struck me was that the defense was, old. when the puck was loose in the crease, when he was out of position for whatever reason, defensemen were cleaning up. You know, they were fine. They were always there to get the loose puck. Char makes saves, you know, guys made saves in that, whatever it was. And that's the thing that really stood out to me is, yeah, Tim Thomas was, he was definitely the MVP, played amazing, but it, Boy, it was such a team effort, and everybody did their part. And you're talking just a fine line between winning and losing. You know, when you you go back to seventh games of Montreal and uh, Philadelphia. Just a shot yeah. from BC. Yeah, you know. It was right there. Shots hitting posts and crossbars and trickling in the crease, and somehow they, they come out unscathed. It was awesome. And as you heard it right from the horse's mouth, uh, Doug is indeed flashing his sports knowledge there. And again, he treated me wonderfully. His whole organization did. Uh, great event. Glad I went and glad I was able to bring it to you. And now, as my former co-host, Lemont Williams from outside the huddle likes to say, it's time to pay some bills, so let's take our break. And uh, we'll be back with you for segment two in a couple of minutes. 
internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fan's perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice American Network and let's talk football. Have we got a high-energy, all-access sports show for you? It's Outside the Huddle, starring Lemond Williams. Each week, join Lemond as he takes callers, discusses the week's top stories in the world of sports, and sits down with active and former players to discuss their transition from sports to business. Outside the Huddle is a great resource for players making career transitions both on and off the field. Tune in Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central, and 5 Pacific for Outside the Huddle on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And to join the show, the call-in number is one 888 346-9144 or you can email me at iir at comcast.net it's that time of the show when we have guests join us and today I would like to welcome author Jane Mitchell who wrote the book One on One My Journey with Hall of Famers Fan Favorites and Rising Stars the winner of 26 Emmy Awards now has in writing, which she gathered while interviewing more than 100 athletes during her TV show in San Diego, one-on-one with Jane Mitchell, that ran for 14 years. And Jane and I met at a Fenway, at a great Fenway Park Writer Series event this week. And Jane, welcome to the show. Thank you, John. It was great to meet you in Boston. I'm, I'm back home, and I came home with a little bit of a cold, but it was a great trip. We sound terrific and glad you made it home safe and sound. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I enjoyed your talk uh, on Tuesday at uh, Fenway Park at the EMC Club, which was great. And, uh, you know, it's kind of what an interesting coincidence in that uh, we had both been at the Doug Flutie event. And lo and behold, I've just, as you know, just finished talking about Doug Flutie and reading this morning your the piece of your book about Doug Flutie uh so why don't I yeah. start off well, by was, uh, about Doug since we both talked with them this week I'm sorry why don't we start off with hearing your thoughts about oh. Doug and the book oh, sure. in uh, yeah it's, it's, well you know it's it's an interesting um for those who aren't obviously familiar with with me if you're not from the San Diego area my show, which is actually still running, I'm coming up on show number uh, 100 in September, 
Wow. But there have been so many um, people who've come through San Diego who are from the Boston area. And Doug Flutie being one of them when he was here with the Chargers as our quarterback and um, Dave Roberts and, you know, who was at the luncheon and Adrian Gonzalez who came and Larry Dino all with the Red Sox. Um, so, yeah, but Doug was great. I had not seen him in a few years since he'd left San Diego, so I was able to see him and Lori at their event on Monday night and uh, hand-delivered a book to them. So he made the cover. I told him he was on the cover next to Ted Williams, so he was in great company. <laughs> Boy, that's um, so sure. Yeah, great to see him and continuing to do such great work for autism, and which is really what my show is about, is talking about who these guys are on the field and off the field, how they got there, um, you know, what makes them tick, and and sort of their big picture and their values as well as, uh, you know, how well they play the game. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, in addition to Doug, uh, you know, the list of household names and, of course, the, the San Diego-Boston connection names you just mentioned. But additionally, you have legendary household names from, you know, Ted Williams, Tony Gwynn, Drew Brees, LaDainian Tomlinson, Junior Seau, and on and on and on of just, again, uh, world-class athletes and... I know you interviewed them for your show, and how did that all then translate into you getting it all down in print in a book? Quite a process. I um, right. had been, people had asked me uh, after about five or six years, they said, gosh, you, you know, you ought to write. Um, they were curious about things, you know, how it was to sit down with these guys, to be in their homes, to meet their families, uh, as well as just interview them was like, and so I thought, well, I didn't think after five years that was quite enough, but by the time I reached a decade, I thought, okay, I think I've got, I've got a little track record here, so I got the rights to use the scripts from my company, and um, the rest of it was I sat down, I thought, well, I'll tell a little bit about myself, then I'll tell the backstories, what it was like, why I picked that player, um, was it that they were well-known? Were they a rising star? Was it somebody that, you know, fans wanted to know about? Uh, or, you know, whatever the situation might be. And then I explain what that experience was like for me. And some were sort of funny stories and some were um, more eye-opening, um, just my own reflections, which I just never included in the show because the show was always them. So, and then I did the transcripts of their actual biography. So, those who want to buy the book and read the book, which um, is available on my website, janemitchell1on1.com, or Barnes & Noble, or Amazon, or you know any bookstore can order it. But then they can read the actual script. So you're reading it as if you're reading a, an article or a play or something like that. We, we had to transfer, take all the TV lingo out, and, and make it so it's very... Um, easy to read. I, I hope you found it to be easy to read. I, I've gotten great feedback on that, but really, Very much it's, so. um, it's okay. Thank you. <laughs> we worked hard to, to make sure. It's a big book, but we, we made it easy um, to, to follow. So, you know, when Doug Flutie's talking, it says Doug, you know, and when I'm talking, right. uh, you know, it says Jane, and the rest is just uh, the, my writing. So, um, it was fun. It was great. A lot of work, more work than I would have ever anticipated but it's memorialized now um, because not everybody, very, you know, few will be able 
to watch the TV shows themselves unless they're in the San Diego market, at least at this point. So, um, but the stories are down on paper now. <laughs> well, that's wonderful. And one of the things you and I quickly discovered uh, about each other when we met, and you had referenced it in, our, in your talk, is we both have uh, grew up in uh, families with strong military ties and have mm-hmm. both uh, woven that into our careers, and uh, I know how important it is to you. And of course, uh, Ted Williams, I consider him one of America's greatest heroes because of his unique blend of you know sports and military service. And uh, and I know he's yes. probably among your all-time great interviews. Would be my impression based on everything you said and and the subject yes. himself. Yes, and as people may or may not know, he's from San Diego, and so when he was um, 81, he was had come back to San Diego for a visit, and the people at the Hall of Champions, a lovely sports museum here in San Diego, asked if I would like to interview him for my show, and it was really an honor, and um, I was not as aware of his uh, iconic uh, stature until I did a little more research because what people might not know, unless they're from San Diego, is I'm not, I, w- I never really was a sports fan going into this. So I think I brought a different perspective. And when I sat down with Ted, um, it, even though it was, of course, we talked baseball and the things that he was able to do in his career, but I wanted to delve deeper and find out sort of why he did that. And, and he talks about his childhood and his parents and growing up here, and then, of course, his time in the service. And I think sometimes um, people lose sight of those things that make these men who they are and the athletes they are based on their background, and same with me, with my father being a 30-year Navy man and in three wars and ironically, you know, died of Lou Gehrig's disease, Um, just, you know, so all of these things kind of came to be um, in my life and and how I relate to those that I interview because um, we are so much more than just our profession, and so I, you know, like what you do and that, that, appreciation for people in the military. Dave Roberts, for example, a huge Boston hero, you know, he was raised, his dad was in the Marines. And so you you see things and you learn, you know, his respect for protocol and, um, you know, just doing things the right way. Uh, Those are things that were ingrained in him as a kid going to high school here in San Diego and then, you know, on his whole journey. So Ted Williams, definitely one of the most um, memorable moments, and as it turns out, I was the last person to interview him for television, and that's been well um, um, documented, I suppose, Um, and so it it was really a remarkable day, and people will be able to read some of his thoughts, especially reflecting on his life, um, because it was just a couple of years before he passed away. Yes, uh, again, you know, just an amazing story. I mean, one of, you know, the great American uh, legendary hero stories of all time, in Mm -hmm. in my estimation. And, yeah, so, you know, you mentioned Dave Roberts. He was in attendance, and he he is, of course forever famous for (laughs) starting the Red Sox by stealing a base to start the Red Sox comeback from being down 3-0 to the Yankees in 2004 that led to probably the greatest comeback in sports history. And Mm -hmm. he was just particularly impressive, uh, you know, to listen to him 
uh, you could see, uh, you could gain that sense of the military background because he was very, very buttoned up yet funny. And uh, he's one of the people you've interviewed. Uh, what are your thoughts about Dave? Dave, just quality guy. And as genuine uh-huh. as, as you, that's, he defines being genuine and great integrity. Uh, it was such a, a really a fun thing to know that here we weren't just doing a full circle story with Dave coming back to San Diego, but having just done what he did in Boston in 2004 just made it so exciting and fun. It was, it was great to be able to share that story and to hear him be so appreciative back then and even just the other day. I mean, he and Adrian both came to the lunch at, you know, at my request and an invitation. David said, whatever we can do to help you out, Jane, you know, with your book, we're just so proud of you. And it was like, oh my gosh, Dave, that's so nice. Okay, will you come to this lunch at Fenway Park? And he and Adrian, of course, both said yes, and they did. But they're both those guys are such quality people because they, they follow through, they, they really value friendships and relationships, um, and they're so good with the fans. And it was so great. And if you, I was sitting next to Dave when um, the uh, gentleman read the, the poem, and I'm, I apologize, I'm blanking on his name right now. D- D- um, Dick Flavin. Yeah, Dick, Dick Flavin, Dick, sorry. The poet laureate and, of baseball. Oh, my gosh, doing basically the Casey at the bat, but with the whole story about Dave, um, you know, stealing that base. And Dave's expression was just like, oh, my gosh. I mean, I don't think he ever, he is so appreciative, but he's, he was just like, wow, this man wrote this poem for me. I mean, this is what this, but he gets it. He understands baseball, and he knows he, he even said in my show, and he said to other people, he said it that day, that he was told one that when you have an opportunity to make a difference in a game, in your career, you've got to make it happen. So he said, when everybody in, in uh, the ballpark knows you're going to steal a base, you better steal a base. And, you know, every, it still gives me goosebumps. And I'm not even, you know, from Boston, but to know that he was so um, mindful of that and so appreciative of the fans even today. Yes, well, he is truly a hero up here, and I've heard Dick Flavin, uh, who currently, by the way, is starring in a play where he play wrote and is now playing Tip O'Neill up here in Boston. But anyway, yeah. I've heard Dick Flavin <laughs> do that poem many times, but to hear it this past Tuesday with Dave Roberts, <laughs> the subject of the poem, in attendance was yeah. truly <laughs> remarkable. And Well, Jane, I hope you know that you... Uh, Keep the Massachusetts connection. I know that your publisher of your book is Sweet Dreams Publishing uh, here in Massachusetts. And, uh, you know, it seems like there is this sort of San Diego, Boston pipeline. The founder of the Great uh, Great Way Park Writer Series is George Mitrovich, Mitrovich, who Mm -hmm. uh, is uh, a legend in his own right, shall we say. (laughs) Anybody who has ever met George would agree with me. And... So I hope we have the opportunity to meet and or talk again. And once again, uh, you know, I appreciate your calling in. Your book, again, is One-on-One, My Journey with Hall of Famers, Fan Favorites, and Rising Stars. Jane Mitchell is the author, and you can get the book through Jane's website at janemitchell1on1.com. All everything's spelled out. And mm-hmm. Jane, I, I hope we have. I, I want to thank you for taking the time to call in, and I hope we have the chance to meet again soon. 
Well, thank you. And I, I just wanted to say, you know, the thing about what I've done with the book and with the show is it really does transcend uh, a uniform. So those who are wherever they are in the country who appreciate the, the good sports story or understanding a lot of these guys. I think there's value in that, especially for young people and parents who have kids who are trying to make it. You know, these guys, Tony Gwynn, Trevor Hoffman, Doug Flutie, Drew LT, none of them just made it. They all started somewhere, and they have great lessons to teach us all. So that's um, the bigger picture of, of what I hope uh, people will get out of the book as well. Yeah, and Jane, as we both agree, being sports journalists who have encountered a lot of these uh, high-profile athletes, it's remarkable how many similar traits they all have with usually mm -hmm. intense competitiveness being at the top <laughs> of the list. But it's, right. it's wonderful to work with them, uh, and I'm glad to hear your, your show is continuing on, and there's, <laughs> yes, there's yes. <laughs> you know, better things perhaps yet to come even. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks for your support. I, it was great to meet you, and um, look forward to seeing you again. Wonderful, Jane, and thank you again. And Voice America listeners, uh, once again, it's time to take our break, and we'll come back on the other side with Barry Rubenstein of the Sports Desk of the New York Post for Segment 3. Thank you. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. The revolution has begun with Jim and Trav. Listen this week as Randall Eden, Shannon Young, Josh Fleming, and Joe Hosmer tell us why it's important to get our kids in the outdoors. Plus, Cat Daddy will have some catfishy tips, and Nick Rhodes has a new twist on wildlife management you'll want to hear. This is sponsored by Ram Trucks at RamTrucks.com. Wednesdays at 1 Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. I'm Jim Ferguson. I'll see you on the trail. Do you think that all of the generic financial information you get every day is hard to navigate? You need to tune in to Duffy's Financial Playbook. Every weekend, Andreas Duffy will help you filter out this information and turn it into wisdom that you can really use. Be informed about the financial decisions you're about to make instead of just blindly making decisions. Andre's connections in the business and professional sports world will help you so you don't need to worry about your financial success. Tune in to Duffy's Financial Playbook, Saturdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Sports. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America. Welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports. And to join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144. 9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's still that time when we have guests join us in all around sports. So I'd like to welcome back our weekly call in expert, Barry Rubenstein from the New York Post Sports Department. And Barry, how are you doing today? I'm well, John. How are you? It's a pleasure as always. It, um, thank you again, as always, for calling in. Uh, and, you know, we've basically. Uh, 
the winter sports are now over, but we sure got a lot of mileage out of the NBA and the NHL postseason playoffs. And uh, pretty much, yeah, 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 pretty much. When is, yeah, the, the you know certainly for the uh, for uh, the Boston audience going as pretty much as far as you can with uh, with the Bruins certainly, and uh, you know uh, a lot of a lot of really good memories. Uh, you know, not only of of the games themselves, but you know, the, I think the the partying afterwards was uh, you know something a lot of people remember. Uh, you know, I didn't, I uh, wasn't able to go to the parade myself, but I know a lot of people who did, and they said it was it was a real quite uh, quite the experience. And uh, you know, seeing the pictures of uh, you know the Bruins bringing the cup to Fenway Park last week, uh, you know, riding the duck boat around the outfield, and yeah, you know, that, that that that's pretty cool. I mean, I, I think that's one one thing about Boston sports is that I think the teams uh, in Boston tend to really. Uh, give each other a lot of support. There's a lot of cross-support that goes on there. And, uh, and I think that's, uh, that's a really novel thing, and, and I think it's great. And, uh, you know, it, 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 it gave, it was a good excuse for people to kind of keep the party going a little bit. Uh, you know, uh, I think we talked about this a little bit last week, uh, you know, the unfortunate uh, things that happened in Vancouver after the, after the Stanley Cup Finals. Um, and, you know, uh, certainly Boston getting a lot of... Uh, you know, a lot of thumbs up for the way the fans reacted there and, uh, and the way uh, that they celebrated. You know, I, I think part of it is, you know, it's unfortunate that we have to commend a city for celebrating the right way. Unfortunately, that's, that's the society we live in. But uh, that being said, uh, you know, certainly uh, the, 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 the good feeling from, I think, the Bruins winning the Cup in Boston uh, is just, just continues to go on and uh, will probably probably carry right through the summer and into, into next uh, next fall i would think well there's no no signs of letting up and of course the urban legend that's growing out of all of this is uh when the parade ended last saturday they all jumped on a bus headed down to the mgm grand at hotel at foxwoods casino in connecticut and uh went to what's called shrine nightclub tremendous place and uh, where they proceeded to run up a bar, a bill of a hundred and fifty-six thousand dollars that included a hundred thousand dollar bottle of champagne, thereby outdoing the ninety thousand dollar bottle of champagne that Mark Cuban bought at the Fountain Blue in Miami the night the the Dallas Mavericks beat the Miami Heat for the NBA championship. But anyway. It's, I literally have received via email a copy of the receipt, 156000 I've seen that myself it's, online. Yeah, yep, it's, it's, it's quite something. And I guess the question I have is, is <laughs> you know, there's not that many glasses of champagne in a bottle, so I, 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 I kind of wonder who were the lucky guys to, to, to get to drink some of that champagne. I'm, I'm sure not everybody got to, you know. Well, exactly. It was one heck of a big bottle, and again, it's yeah. really the the it's becoming really urban legend here. The myth is growing, all kinds of rumors swirling about. Uh, I'm gonna choose to believe currently after hearing a dozen different stories that you know the at least the hundred thousand dollar bottle itself was apparently a gift to the Bruins, who have since signed it 
for charity, all the members of the team, and uh, that came straight from the horse's mouth of Sean Thornton, the Bruins enforcer, uh, literally within the past 24 hours. I, I heard him say it on the radio. I heard him say it repeated exactly on TV within the past day or two, and uh, I'm going to believe that that's probably the story, but again... Uh, and they're still partying. I mean, Brad Marchand uh, was, you know, was out the other night. <laughs> um, so it's great. I, I think it's just wonderful. And again, it's been wonderful. And like you said earlier, I think they're going to be partying uh, right on through till they raise that banner next uh, next October at the Boston Garden. But uh, I, I think so. And, and and you know, I, I think the great thing about something like this too is. Yeah, no matter what city you're talking about, when a team wins a championship, I, I think there's a and and you're seeing it a lot uh, in Boston, and I see I think you do see it a lot in general. It brings people together, and it it's it just it just makes people happy. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on in the world now that you know there's a, there's a lot to be concerned about and upset about if it, you know if, if if you want to go down that route. However, you know I think when a sports team wins, it 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 it, it it's a it's a unifying force, you know, more so I think than any, any politician or anybody else can bring people together. I think sports more than anything else, when a team is successful in a city, it really does, you know, make people happy. And you see people walking down the street and you can see they have a, a extra a smile or an extra spring in their step. And it just, it just makes for a much better atmosphere. And I think that's what you're seeing right now. And again, I, you know, like we said, I certainly expect that to continue all the way through. Yeah, one of the fun things you 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 of course are here in Boston like me, and one of the really neat things about it is is you know, here we are putting the postscript on it. Kids got out, you know, schools basically closed for the most part yesterday, today, whatever. This is it. School's over. Summer's here. July fourth is next weekend, and we live up here in Boston. I mean, the fact the Bruins literally took us to the doorstep of summer is huge yeah you you can't overstate that because the winters here are long and rough and this is our time now and it's really been our time recently with you know again if it's not bruins winning it's you know uh nfl owners assembling as i started off the show assembling in in hull nantasket beach or you know whitey bulger about to land at logan airport within the next hour after 16 years it's uh there's more stuff going on in these city these days than I think I've ever seen, and I've been here for again a few decades. It's it's electric. I've never seen an energy like recent weeks. Well, maybe uh, maybe maybe Whitey can help uh, <laughs> help the lockout end. You know, and maybe they could right, shoot him somehow. Go. I don't know, but uh, make him useful yeah. in some way, right? But uh, yeah, that was obviously a big uh, a big story this week. But yeah, yeah, you're right. Boston seems to be the uh, the epicenter this week of of, of news and sports. So. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's certainly a, a, a good time for Boston to be in the national consciousness. That's for sure. Well, it's just awesome, and uh, yeah, and you know, I guess now's as good a time as as any. If we finally are able to sort of move from the winter sports postseason, because last night we actually had an event that talks that's all about the future. That's the NBA draft, and what were your thoughts uh, on last night's draft? I think that you know the, there is maybe a little less buzz than in previous years. You know, this this wasn't really uh, perceived as being a very strong draft. Um, you know, you had some quality players in it, of course, but you know, you also had the influx of international talent. And you know, the the the, the one the one downside to that is that you know a lot of these guys might really be good 
down the road. But you know, people in in America don't. And even if you're a even if you're a gym rat, even if you watch you know every minute of college basketball, and you know, God knows there's there's plenty of college basketball to watch during the season uh, to be inundated with. You know, between March Madness, between all the conference games, regular season, what have you. But uh, I think a lot of the players that were drafted last night, we just really don't know very much about. And, you know, I think time will tell uh, whether, you know, a lot of these guys can play in the NBA. I mean, some of them won't, won't be here uh, for a year or two, you know, uh, until they uh, get, a little, get a little older, get a little more seasoned, until uh, they're able to, to come to America and play. Um, you know, it's, and there were some trades, and well, yeah, we'll see. I mean, I think it's just one of those one of those things where it's really hard to say exactly who's going to make the most impact. You know, obviously um, the Cavaliers with two two of the first uh, first few picks. Um, you know, maybe they can kind of make move on from being jilted by LeBron James. We'll see about that. Um, you know, uh, Jimmer Fredette getting picked by Milwaukee, then being traded to Sacramento. Uh, you know, there was a lot of talk about, you know, maybe Utah uh, getting him since he was so uh, uh, successful at BYU. Uh, there was right. talk about Nix at one point. He's, he's from New York State, uh, and he had actually said at one point he, he would have liked to have played for the Knicks. But fact of the matter is, I don't. Uh, he, he was taken before that number one and number two. You know, the Knicks really needed help elsewhere. But uh, you know, drafts are always interesting, and it, 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 I think. In this particular draft, it'll be a lot more interesting down the road. Maybe in a couple, three years, we can look back on this draft and say, okay, let's see who was successful and let's see who really did well. Because I think sometimes that, that's what it takes, um, you know, I think in any sport. But more so in this particular draft because, you know, as, as, as we said, it wasn't really recognized as being a very strong draft. So, you know, we just kind of have to see how, the, how, how things pan out, I think. Yeah, I agree. And, uh... Yeah, it's um, it's interesting. I mean, I, I obviously I watch more sports than even you know the average or sort of the high level sports fan. Uh, but yet I'm amazed. It's particularly in basketball uh, of that. There's so many names. Even last night in the first round, by the time they got into the fourth or fifth pick, you know, I'm not recognizing these names. They're not for me household names, and you know, this has been going on for a number of years. So, uh, yeah, I, I just always find drafting, uh, you know, a fascinating process. How they come up with these guys, and uh, you know, because again, you know, like most of us, you know, I'm watching every minute of March Madness, that type of thing, and you know, mm-hmm. throughout the season on a very, very consistent level, I log a lot of time watching college basketball. Yet come draft time, I'm always amazed that like that there's a a fair amount of names even in the first round that I just don't know right off the top of my head. Uh, sure, and you're not but, alone. I mean, I, I think that's I right. Think that most people are in the same boat. You know, I mean. Uh, it just, you know, we're just, we just, we don't see these, we don't see these guys play. We don't see the Europeans play. We just, you know, they're just not on, on our radar. And that's, that's just, that's just part of the whole deal. I think, I mean, you look at a guy like uh, Ricky Rubio who just arrived in Minnesota a couple of days ago and he, they, they drafted him a couple of years ago. So, you know, it, it takes time right. sometimes for, you know, for the Europeans to finish out their, their obligations over there and then, then come over to play in the NBA. So I, I think that's what we're, what we're going to wind up seeing, uh, for, for some of these players, and you know, again, time will just tell whether these teams uh, got it right or whether they didn't, and that's uh, and that, that's part of the whole intrigue of the whole draft system. 
Well, exactly. Or, and, uh, of course, you have also in the NBA, you know, you have the, the specter of, you know, we, we hate to keep talking about labor and issues like that, but, you know, you do have the, the specter of a, of a lockout uh, over the NBA. So, again, I think that took a little bit of the juice out of it, much as it did with the NFL draft. Uh, same, same type of feeling. And there, there wasn't that usual excitement uh, or you know, real anticipation that you normally feel. And I think for both of those drafts, uh, you know, that was definitely a factor. Correct. And as you know, I was at the NBA, NFL draft, and I wholeheartedly agree. It does take the edge off. And uh, the one thing that, uh, you know, really wasn't edgy at all because there was no drama to it, but uh, I certainly want to discuss it was, you know, Roy McElroy at winning, trouncing the field at the U.S. Open. And uh, I feel an obligation to bring this up because I hit on him pretty hard for the collapse at the Masters, uh, on the, starting with the 10th tee on the final day. And what he did down at Congressional in Bethesda, Maryland, near D.C., was absolutely amazing. I tuned in Sunday, very interested, because I wanted to see if this guy could you know, just simply take over and continue his domination of the tournament, own it, in other words, and boy, he sure did in a big, big way, and uh, interestingly enough, the shot of the day, the one where you said it's over, was, of course, his tee shot on the 10th that he put about two inches from the cup. It was remarkable moment, I thought. What did you think about it? Well, I, I agree with you in that there was really... Because of the way he got out of the gate, it was very, very little drama. Certainly, I mean, you, right. I mean, everything you saw about the uh, about the tournament all weekend was he was really the only story of the whole tournament. Uh, you know, with with no Tiger Woods playing, uh, you know, there was a little little Phil Nicholson talk early in the tournament, but you know, uh, McElroy just kind of took over the proceedings and. And all weekend, there were, it was, he was the story. I mean, there really was no other story there. So, uh, you know, there were, uh, other than uh, how far he would be filled by, other than what kind of records he would set, um, other than that, um, there really you know, wasn't really, really much else to talk about as far as you know, drama is concerned. You know, I, I, I do think that, you know, some of the talk about uh, him being the next Tiger Woods, I think a lot of that is, 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 is kind of people stretching to find a story because, you know, you know, when you go back and, and look at uh, how Tiger came up and, and everything that went on with his rise to the top, you know, before his unfortunate fall and everything that went along with that, uh, you know, there's, there's really nothing like it. And I, and, I, and I just think to compare, you know, for people to come out and say, well, this guy's the next Tiger Woods. And, you know, ba- the guy basically won one tournament. I mean, let's, let's get real. Let's, let's, you know, right. win a couple more majors, you know, be a little more consistent, you know. Again, I think I think a lot of that is people so desperate to grasp onto the next big thing in golf, whatever that might be. And you know, to see a guy decimate the field as he did, you know, that gives a lot of fodder for that, for that type of thinking. But I, I think we have to kind of reel that in and just you know, let's let's see what he can do over the long haul. Yeah, and you're 100 percent right. I I have the exact same thoughts. I heard some numbers. Don't hold me to them, but it was something that sounds like Tiger Woods won 28 of his first 100 tournaments, or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then, whereas Rory McIlroy, uh, you know, and whatever number of majors Tiger's won, a dozen or so, and uh, or 15. 
Whereas Roy McElroy's the figures are something like, you know, he's one major now and, you know, has won like three tournaments in his first 100. So it's just not even comparable. And I'm a big fan. There was a great story came out that after the U.S. Open, he flew to a course, a uh, golf course on Cape Cod for a charity uh, event and then came, was driven back from the Cape to Logan Airport by a policeman from Ireland, a policeman who lives on the Cape, but born and uh, lived in Ireland, and he just raved about what a great guy he was and how, how what a great conversation it was, and Rory wanting to say, you know, he always wanted to ride in a police car and that type of thing. He forewent the limo so he could ride in the police car that was escorting the limo with his father. Anyway, just a nice story. By all accounts, he's a humble, gracious, likable uh kid i guess or young man right so you yeah, know i think we all wish him well and we are desperate for a successor to tiger but uh you, you know rory we have to give him a little more time here to but but there's he's uh he's quite the interesting player to yeah say the least. He is. and you know and and you know obviously you know it, it's not taken from the point of well let's see what he can do you know he's, he's no tiger woods that, that you know I, I just think it's unfair to compare Correct. anybody to Tiger Woods, it's just, it's not fair to McIlroy. It's not fair to anybody, you know. I, and 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 I think and I think Rory has even said, you know, I'm not Tiger Woods, so I'll never be Tiger Woods. You know, just I, I think let let's let him be Rory McIlroy and see how far and you know and see where he takes that. You know, I think that's probably the, the most fair way to approach this. You know, but just to hear just to hear some of the talk that came out this week, I frankly I thought it was kind of silly. I agree, but uh, it'll be it's going to be. It, his victory sure makes the British Open even that much more interesting. And, uh, you know, so, Barry, I mean, it's it's hard to believe, but we're kind of getting near the end of our show here. And um, I thought time flies when you're having fun. So it's, it sure does. And, you know, I, I just want to thank you for coming on and quickly uh, throw out my, you know, picks of the weekend, which are basically, uh, you know, the U.S. versus Mexico soccer match for for the Gold Cup title tomorrow night in the Rose Bowl at eight thirty Eastern time. I think it's going to be a fascinating event. Uh, I've been to Rose Bowl and it is uh, you know there's no stadium like it in the country. Period. And uh, I'm guessing it will be packed to the gills. And uh, so that to me is going to be an interesting watch. Although. Uh, I think it's on Fox Sports Channel uh, on TV, again, 8.30 Eastern Time. And for me, on a personal note, uh, the Red Sox are playing in Pittsburgh, playing my boyhood team, the Pittsburgh Pirates. I grew up going to Forbes Field. There was, uh, then there was Three Rivers, and now there's uh, PNC Park. So it uh, should be an interesting weekend series in Pittsburgh. And, and Barry, I just want to thank you again for coming on uh, have a great weekend, and we'll do it again next week. And uh, once again, Voice America listeners, thanks for joining us today. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. 
The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.